Blog Talk Radio. This is power. This is tradition. This is Talladega. The biggest party in NASCAR returns October 12th through 14th. It only happens once a year, and it only happens at Homestead Miami Speedway. The world will be watching as dreams are made, hopes are crushed, and championships earned. It's Ford Championship Weekend, November 16th to the 18th. Three days of fun for the whole family with live music, tailgating, go-kart racing, and so much more. Plus, it's the only place to witness the crowning of three NASCAR champions. Call 866-409-RACE or go to homesteadmiamispeedway.com for tickets. This is Spencer Boyd, driver of the number 76 Grunt-style Chevy Camaro, and listen to The Pit Stop with Tim Despain. Good evening from Dagan Nation. I'm Tim Despain, uh, alongside us PeeWeeDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. The way the crow flies, I'm approximately eight miles south of this 2.66-mile monster we call Talladega Super Speedway. Got a big show scheduled tonight. <clears throat> Got a couple of guests, and I'm pretty sure everybody, everybody's already seen who they are on social media. But before we get started, let's bring on my good friend from out there on the West Coast, Mr. Reverend Joe. Reverend, how you doing this evening, bro? Not too bad. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Feel better than I felt in years, brother. Aren't you worried about that Talladega Speedway sliding down towards you? Well, you know, you had mentioned that last week. Like, you know, you always said, <laughs> you know, what comes downhill. Maybe there ain't too much you know what out there right now, but it might be next week. <laughs> oh, well. It'll all be okay. Don't worry. God's watching over. That's, that's the only man that we can depend on is him to watch over us, Reverend. That's for sure. Shall we get this started? Yes, sir. Crank it up, Reverend. Lord, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We thank you for all you do. We thank you for watching over all of us. We thank you that we got through the roll last week without anyone being injured. It was quite a different affair. We also ask you to watch over our country. Stuff that's going on shouldn't be happening. And we used to be one nation under God. Now we seem to be divided in 20 directions. We ask you to pull us all together. Teach us what it means to be your children. Show us the way. Guide us. Protect everyone this week. Be with all our soldiers and all those that wear uniforms to protect us. And most importantly, we thank you for sending your son to die for our sins so that we could have an easy way into heaven just by believing in him and that he is God and that he came to die for our sins. We thank you for all these things in the mighty name of your son, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Double amen, Reverend Joe.
As always, great invocation there, Reverend. Let everybody know where uh, they can follow you on social media, your website, and what the next events you're going to be attending out there on uh, on the West Coast side of this United States of America. Yes, sir. Or uh, catch me on Twitter and on uh, Facebook at Red Joe Bubico. and you can follow me on my um, our website is on track with Jesus dot org. Email address is on track with Jesus at AOL dot com, and my phone number is nine five one two three two seven six three zero. Give us a call if you need anything. If you have any questions, uh, always glad to answer them. And holler anytime. Reverend Joe, thank you very much. Again, and tell Miss Betty we said hello and we'll talk to you next Tuesday evening, brother. All righty. We'll talk to you then. Take care. You, you too, brother. That's official Reverend of the show, Mr. Reverend Joe. Now we've got CEO SpeedwayDigest.com, a good friend. Up in Commonwealth, Virginia, just right outside of Richmond Raceway, Mr. Stephen Wilson. Stephen, how you doing tonight, brother? I'm all right. A little bit busy, but I'm all right. You always stay busy, Stephen. You always stay busy. Everybody keeps me busy, so. Oh, I'm here tonight and uh, ready to roll. I heard that, brother. Thanks again for joining us and being uh, being a part of all this. Uh the number to call is 215-383-3681. Again, I'm Tim in Spain alongside SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. Big show tonight. We've got uh, track president here at Tidal Super Speedway. Mr. Grant Litch will be joining us. And also, uh, uh, Kenny Bruce from KennyBruce.net is going to stop by. I'm sure he's got a ton of questions, especially this big media day, Stephen. We had, a, we had some breaking news come out. And I'm pretty sure we're going to get hit, we're gonna get Grant's two cents worth out of it, see what Kenny has to say, but it's – it's it's a big deal, Stephen. We're gonna race uh here at Daytona here at Talladega and down there at Daytona for the first time in thirty something years without restricted play. But uh we got some pretty breaking news. Stephen NASCAR has implemented a uh a, a rules package change for twenty nineteen. Uh they're taking the plates off here at Daga and down at Daytona, but uh this race coming up in Daytona, the sixty first Daytona five hundred will be run under the twenty eighteen package. So the first plate race run is gonna be here at Talladega without that plate with them tapered spacers and um uh, they do they actually done a lot arrow uh radiator pan. You wanna let it, everybody know what all exactly is gonna go on with this new rule change next year? Well, that's just essentially the um, the same package that was run in the All Star race this year in 2018 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, NASCAR is going to change the tapered spacers into um, between the carburetor and the intake manifold with various varying thicknesses. And what it does with the tapered spacers is that it disrupts the airflow um, between the carburetor and the intake on uh, the intake uh, on, on the motor. Uh, in doing so, um, it um, cuts the horsepower to the engines. And the difference between the taper spacers and a restrictor plate is, is that a restrictor plate achieves lowering of horsepower by starving the engine of air where the tapered spacer allows airflow to 
continue unrestricted, but the way that it disrupts the airflow between the carburetor and the intake um, cuts the horsepower. In doing so, you get a little bit more throttle control out of it, and uh, um, you're 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 going to see you're going to see closer pack style racing across multiple tracks. Um, the downfall of this is, is that I don't really think we I don't think plate style racing or racing in large packs at many of these tracks are. Um, um, I, I I'm not I'm not quite sure about them. I really didn't feel the racing at the All Star event was something that um, should be mass used um, like they are going to do in 2019. I think it's something that they can use for testing and you know work these things out, but. As far as running a points race and points uh, throughout an entire schedule, I'm I'm not entirely convinced at this point. Um, and I guess that's my side note to this. But uh, they're increasing the size of the spoilers on the back of the car, um, the splitter on the front, radiator pan uh, on the front with the uh, tapering into it, as well as the aero ducts. Some of these are things that we saw in the uh, Xfinity and uh, Monster Energy Cup Series at Indianapolis, um, not this year, but uh, two years ago, and maybe it's three years, two years ago, I think. Um, so you know, it's a combination of these two packages at the same time that NASCAR is trying to close the fields up. Excuse me, and uh, and uh, um, have a more competitive field field out there. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I think I, I think we have to get past. Uh, I think there should be some testing into it. I think there should be a whole lot more testing into it. NASCAR is going to test at uh, Vegas, Atlanta, and Charlotte with this uh, package. And um, I, I think before the conclusion, or when when they came to the conclusion, 2019 rule package, I think that there should have been um, more 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 um, testing into it. Um, NASCAR, unfortunately, has always been change the rules and then test the cars to see how it performs. I think it should honestly be the other way around. I think there should be more open testing when it comes to that, um, more private testing when it comes to that, um, and a collaboration between the manufacturers, the teams, and NASCAR all working together. Um, and I know they've reached out to engine builders and things like that um, when going over some of these rules. Um, and I know that a lot of this has been done in simulations and on paper, but it, but until you put it out on the racetrack, uh, you, you, you some, sometimes don't know what you're going to get. And I always have felt in the past, and I still continue to feel this way, that NASCAR should work as a collaborative effort between the teams and manufacturers um, and themselves and even Goodyear um, to test various packages, both in private testing and public testing, and uh, across a, a spectrum of tracks, everything from Daytona to, to Martinsville to, to Sonoma. I mean, I, I think they should do more of that style testing across the board to kind of get a baseline, and then from the baseline go out there and uh, create an overall injury or wound package and then tweak the package from there.
That's right, Stephen. And to add to uh, to your comments there about this new rules package to some of our listeners, I've got some of the uh, the numbers here. The uh, the arrow side of it, like you mentioned, the spoiler is going to go to a eight inch high by sixty one inch across. Uh, the splitter is going to be two inch overhang in the front with a ten point five wings at ends of splitter near tires. And the radiator pan is going from thirty seven inches in the front, tapered to thirty one inches with vertical fences. And the arrow ducks. Is going to be used at majority of the overtracks larger than one mile. That's that little arrow duck on the on the front that draws air in up under the car, up or up into the to the radiator side of it. And uh, talk about the the engine, like you said, Stephen. The uh, the tapered spacer, uh, seven hundred fifty horsepower is going to be one point seventeenth of an inch tapered spacer. That's going to be used on short tracks and road courses. And then they're going they're going to bring them down with that other tapered spacer, which is point nine two two thousandths. You're going to bring them down to 550 horsepower. That's going to be used at oval tracks larger than one mile. And you mentioned the uh, the uh, the 25 uh, percent reduction in testing. Uh, the three organizational test teams at each Goodyear test are going to be down from four also's. And uh, they're adding three long block engine seals in points races. These are in addition to the 13 short block seals we introduced this season. So just just you know uh, NASCAR, like you said, they're uh, trying to bunch the fill up. And when you get pack racing, especially like here at Talladega and, and Daytona, I'm pretty sure Grant's going to talk a lot about that. Uh, you get a lot of action, but you don't really have time to react, Stephen. And uh, like you mentioned, these uh, tapered spacer versus the restrictor plate. Uh, can can you tell us and tell me, because I really don't know either, the the listeners, it's, it's going to be a spacer between the, the manifold and the carburetor, or the, if I, the, the air intake. Versus that restrictor plate, like you mentioned, that restricts. I think I heard you mention that earlier. Restricts the airflow into the motor, to or the the uh, all that to make faster horsepower. Is this tapered spacer going to be? Is it going to be something that uh, NASCAR hands out on a week to week, not a week to week basis, but uh, at these restrictor plate tracks? Is it going to be like the restrictor plate that they hand out to the teams and? It's uh, stamped with their NASCAR approval stamp and all that, or do you know exactly how this is going to all work out right now? Yeah, so that's how the tapered spacers work currently, is that these are issued out just like the restrictor plates are. Teams are giving it prior to the weekend um, or when they offload, and um, sometimes they're changed during the weekend to um, to either smaller or larger um, spacers. And yeah, um, so the, so this is just going to continue with NASCAR doing this. And yeah, you're right. Um, I made a mistake. It's not the carburetor. <laughs> it's the throttle body on the ES, uh, the, the electronic fuel fuel injection, um, which is where these are going to be placed at um, to restrict the horsepower or restrict the airflow, or not restrict disrupt the airflow going into the engine itself. Um, I still refer to it as you know, we were carburetors for so long that, uh, and many series still use the carburetor. So, uh, that it's the EFI, not, not the, um, it's the EFI throttle body, not the, not the carburetor where this is going to be placed between that and the engine. You actually called it, Stephen. I wasn't really paying no attention. I have, I had, I had caught myself this and say carburetor and I didn't really hear, I thought you mentioned the, uh, the, uh, the intake deal. I didn't know. I didn't know that you mentioned carburetor, so I, I was sort of correcting myself, I think, brother. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, like I said, we've we've been a carburetor for so long, and uh, you know, so many different series still uses a carburetor that it's um, you know it's um, um, you know so easy to just continue using that when that's not that's not accurate at all. Now that they've moved to EFI and uh, throttle body injections. And Stephen, let's talk a little bit before we got our first guest coming on here shortly. Uh, you know, you had mentioned the reduction in, in uh, testing. And uh, so we want to talk a little bit about that and get your take on that. The 25% reduction as far as the three organizational tests and the three teams at each good year tire test going to be down to uh, four. Is that an effort for NASCAR to cut back and save money? Like, you know, we've been talking about it for years. You and I, every guest we've had on, He's always said, we got to figure out how to cut costs because it's getting just too dead lame expensive to do this. And do you think this is a step toward that that NASCAR is doing to actually cut down on some costs by all these teams testing? Yeah, I mean, and the, the the doing away with private testing and going to organizational testing was a, uh, was a way to cut costs because there was teams out there that were spending – five and six plus figures just on testing per car per year. Um, so, you know, NASCAR, NASCAR uh, kind of nipped that in the bud and, um, you know, has moved to this and further restricted it. Um, all these, the three manufacturers right now, you know, they, they, they've built simulators uh, within their tech centers. And these drivers can go and sit in these simulators and they're 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 built in the same way that you know getting into the cars and getting the throttle response because these things are now so technical in simulations that they can pretty much dial a car in or experience a racetrack without actually getting in a car and without actually going out there and actually putting their hands on the car or sitting in the seat. Um, and there's millions and millions and millions of dollars that these three manufacturers have put into these R&D tech centers that, you know, now include uh, these the simulators for drivers to come and sit in and test new setups or teams to test new setups or, um, you know, drivers to try new lines or, you know, all the different variables that comes into a race car, they can now do this in a simulation on a computer and be just as accurate as actually going to the racetrack now. Yeah, that's right, Steve. And to sort of dissect this a little bit further, let's go to the uh, to the splitter. You know, uh, my home track here at Talladega Super Speedway, you know, we still have the, the, the grass in the uh, triangle here. And, you know, Charlotte Motor Speedway put in that uh, that turf, what or what have you? The artificial turf there in the uh, in the triable to sort of cut back on this splitter. It's gonna be it's gonna be a two inch overhang uh, sticking out. And for some of our listeners that don't really know that much about this splitter, you come through some grass here at Daytona. I mean at Daytona or here at Talladega, and you're gonna tear that front end of that splitter off. But then again, they added the element in up there at Charlotte also with them turtles. They call them turtles. The uh, the uh, the little blue things, the curbing and and what have you. But uh, they was, I mean, you can tear a splitter up real quick at a, at a, well, not really a super speedway, just anywhere. And now they're going to, that two-inch overhang, you think that's going to be a big deal for next year? 
Yeah, it's going to continue to be an issue with cars and tearing up front ends of the cars. The bigger and the more that it sticks out, the more that it's going to have, you know, continuing issues. Um, we we really didn't get to see the artificial turf this weekend in um, in action. It, uh, it 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 we we won't get to see that really until next year. Uh, you know, NASCAR, I mean, SMI and Marcus Smith, Joe Mosby, I'm sure they had all the reasons in the world to make these changes over to their artificial turf, but, um, you know, there, there's no grip on artificial turf at all. I mean, this is just fake, slippery, uh, um, you know, uh, compounds that uh, if you go sliding through that, um you know, sure, it's going to be easier to get out of. You're not going to dig in. You're not going to have to worry about rain. You're not going to have to worry about some other things. You may not worry about your splitter. Um, you know, uh, uh, I'm tearing off or digging into the ground and tearing the front end up. But, you know, there's other concerns at the same time that with little to no grip in an artificial turf um, and these cars running through it, I think it'd be just be interesting to see what happens the first time um, that it happens. I mean, we we see our first turf on on football fields, but those guys wear cleats and dig into the field. Um, these cars are running, you know, smooth tires with no tread, so there's no there there's no support there, there's no grip there. So you know, it'd just be interesting to see what happens the first time a car does slide through that football field in the infield now. Charlotte Motor Speedway now that has uh, converted over to that. Yeah, I would definitely agree, Stephen. And uh, just to throw my two cents worth in, you're talking about football and uh, artificial turf. Uh, down here in Talladega, I, I didn't get to play on artificial turf. We had grass and we had to worry about ant beds, too. You have to trip over ant beds running down past the 50-yard line just to throw out after it. Anyway, we've got both of our guests on, Stephen. Let's bring on uh, – we're going to bring them on one at a time. Let's bring on President of Talladega Super Speedway, my good friend, Mr. Grant Lynch. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Let's get ready to rumble! President, Tidal Super Spiller, Mr. Grant Lynch. How you doing tonight, brother? I'm good, Tim. How are you? I'm doing good. And Grant, if if you can, we got a packed house tonight. Let me go ahead and bring on our other guests from KennyBruce.net. My good friend, Mr. Kenny Bruce, gonna bring him in with a bang off. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Bruce, how you doing tonight, brother? <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing good, Tim. I'm stunned that we Grant and I both got Michael Buffer. I figured I was going to get Grandpa Jones or somebody like that introducing me. <laughs> <laughs> I would you like it, Kenny. You know I wouldn't. And Kenny, thanks again for taking time out. And Grant, also, also thank you because I know you got a lot going on. And uh, I know Kenny. We're going to let Kenny go first, Grant, and then uh, com. and i got a few questions, and we'll let you jump out here. But, you know, we had some real big news today. Uh, 
we're taking the plates off, Grant. Uh, taking the plates off, uh, first time in 30-something years at Daytona and Talladega, but we're going to that tapered spacer. Yeah, that's what, that's what they announced today. And uh, I, I tell you, I've been around so long at Talladega, and I have seen untold packages to to done to the cars and done to the motors and, and had plates changed multiple times on weekends depending upon the speed we're going and everything and and really uh, you know when you come down to it uh, we've had good forms of racing and a lot of different packages that you may or may not have liked you know I think one time for our 88 lead changes and 188 laps 29 different drivers led the race I think that's one of those times was when we were had the kind of love bug racing going on and everything so there's different ways to get the competition elements up, and just because they go to a different package, you're just going to have to wait and see exactly what that does to the cars and what the drivers can do with that package, too. So it's a learning experience every time you change those things on the big tracks, and now with the, the same thing kind of coming to the smaller facilities, too, it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to race at a lot of different places next year. You're exactly right, Grant. I'm going to go ahead and hand you over to the two expert committee. I'm not the expert. I'm just the host of the show here. I'm going to hand you over to Kenny Bruce, KennyBruce.net there, Grant. And then, I'll let Kenny, when you get done, I'll let you throw him over to Steve. Okay, sure. Yeah, Grant, I, I, first of all, one thing I do want to say is, you, I don't, for people that don't know, you know, Grant's going to be stepping down next at the end of next year uh, from Talladega. And I just want to say that, there is nobody in this sport that I have enjoyed working more with from a track standpoint and even when, you know, he was at, at R.J. Reynolds for a time than, than Grant. I mean, he has always just been a super friend uh, and working with him at the, at the track. He's been honest and forthcoming anytime we had any questions. Uh, but I, I want, want you to know how much I appreciate that, first of all, Grant. But secondly, you know, we're coming out of this Roval race at Charlotte and I, you know, I appreciate the effort that those guys put into that to to try to do something different. And, and I think it worked. I, I think it was a really smart move on on their part. And I think it's something they're going to be able to build into the future. But I got to thinking about Talladega, and like you said, you know, you guys have had some different rules packages thrown at you down there, and, and restrictions and different things. But the thing that stands out to me is. It has always been an entertaining race at Talladega, regardless of what you guys have done. You you know, you, you don't have to, you know, look for something, hey, let's change it because it's not it wasn't good last time or let's do something different. You know you're gonna get the high speeds and you're gonna get the pack racing and you're gonna get the excitement. I mean, you you guys have to feel good about knowing that, you know, barring a, a weather delay or something, you guys don't have to worry about the the show that you that the drivers put on on your track, do you? No, I think and, and the only thing I would say, Kenny, is is back in the day where the we didn't have the stages, uh, it kind of got to me a little bit that we would have guys that would pull out and go to the back and ride around for you know three quarters of the race, and and I truly didn't like that. Now I will say that I just felt like. And I was so glad when NASCAR put in the stage racing, and 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 I always I spoke to the board years and years ago, IC's board, and I said, you know, if we continue to give the drivers and the teams 
everything they want on the last lap of the race, being points and prize money, how do you change their behavior in the first half of the race? So I, I think the move to the to the stage racing was one of the greatest things that NASCAR has ever done in in the 25 years I've been in the sport. Because look what it's done now to the way they race the first half of the year and the first half of every race during that first half of the year and everything. So I think that's an important thing that we have now that we didn't used to have, which was frustrating to us at times. Yeah, I think it's been impressive that we've seen guys, you know, you know when that stage is about to end. You have guys that if if they're out of the playoff picture, for example, and, and playoff points don't mean anything to them, they want track position. They're going to pit before they close pit road. But the guys that need the points and are in the playoffs and are looking for stage wins and things like that, they're battling, you know, as, as hard as they can to get those. Uh, with with your playoff race coming up, you know, it's not a cutoff race, but it's still an important it's, – it's still a wild card very much, isn't it? Yeah, my daughter says it doesn't really matter where we are. <laughs> if we're in the playoffs and you ask them what race are you really worried about, we're probably going to be in most people's top two, if not top one. <laughs> so I think that's just the nature of the beast that restricts place racing, whether, you know, it's us or Daytona. Uh, and now maybe some others. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Do you do you anticipate the the rules package, you know, that they, they announced today? You know, will that have a big impact on racing at, at Daytona and Talladega in the future, you feel like? Uh, you know, Kenny, I'm not as big a gearhead as, as I'm sure some other people are. And and so I think we're for me, you know, with the knowledge base that I have, I'm, I don't think I'm the right person to make that call. Um, but I, I, I kind of agree and have just let NASCAR run that side of the business, and I've focused on, you know, ticket sales and infield camping and everything else. Uh, it's it's interesting to me, but I am not enough of a gearhead to make a really informed decision. You probably are better off at that at doing that than me, quite frankly. Well, I honestly, I don't know about that. I'm one of these guys that when I see it on the track, I know if I like it or not. Well, now, and, I don't necessarily know what I like, you know, what they did to make me like it, but I know if I do or not. <laughs> well, I'm not far from that myself. <laughs> and and but I do want to say to to to. Uh, to the folks at Charlotte, uh, kudos. I grew up, as you know, in Winston-Salem and spent a lot of time in in that area and got to know Bruton and Humpy back in the days where Humpy would do anything to, you know, to, to sell a ticket. And, and oh, I yeah. saw the, the, the ways that they tried to do anything in their power to get more people into that stadium in various ways and various things that they were willing to do. And was part of the first, you know, time that a race ever was run at night, you know, during my tenure there with the program. And so I know what those folks at Charlotte will do to try to improve the event for the fans, and they've been doing it for longer than I've been in the sport. And I commend them for what they did and stepped up and tried something that's never been done. And And from what I can see, it was widely received in, in very good graces, and, and I think people really enjoy getting to see something different. Mm-hmm. Now, just for the record, do you guys have a road course 
that goes through the infield of Talladega. Well, yeah, um, we're, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna build the Trovo. We're gonna <laughs> we're, we're gonna put in three road courses and take out one turn. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thank you, Kenny. Uh, uh, I'll throw it over to Stephen Wilson, SpeedwayDigest.com. I'm sure Grant's uh, on, a, on, on a limited schedule, so we'll ask you a few questions, Grant, and we'll let you jump out. Okay. Grant, thanks a lot. I appreciate you coming on here. Um, I'm going to be making my first trip to, to Talladega in just a couple of weeks, and Kenneth's been telling me about how exciting it is. You, know, you see it on TV, but, it, you know, just explain the atmosphere. Explain to people that – for me, that you know, you're talking to somebody that's never been there before. Um, you know, what is it about Talladega? What is the allure of Talladega? Why why do people want to come there? I think it's it's first the the legendary nature of the, how scared folks were of the track when they originally built it, and the drivers actually it's the only time in history I believe where the drivers formed a union and actually struck the race and left left the facility and just went home. And uh, Richard Childress ended up being the beneficiary of that because he ended up running both Saturday and Sunday and took home about $6,000, which is how he started his team that in 1969. And so I think it's just the racetrack itself, you know, is how it was when it went there. But I think more importantly, when you come, it's the size and scope and the mass of the land that we use that other people don't have. You know, we use about 1,100 acres. I think Daytona owns about 400 and some. So we so, we have so much more out there and unlimited free camping, and then they just camp, seems like, for miles and miles around the property and everything. And then when you see the grandstands and everything, and, and they're just massive, you know, like Daytona and, you know, other two and a half miles, and we were a little bit bigger than that and everything. And the banking is so steep. Um, and so I think it's just that, and it's the... It's just the camping and the nightlife at Talladega and the parties at night when we have our big one on the boulevard on Friday night and then our concert on Saturday night. And and then you know, we, we try to be everything to everybody. And we have an alcohol-free campground. Most people don't probably don't know that. And we have campgrounds where we start telling them to get quiet at midnight and we have a 2 o'clock group. And then we have some of them, we don't, they stay up all, all night and doesn't bother us. So we have something for everybody. Looking at the 2018 uh, um, Cup Series as it's grinding itself to a conclusion, um, you you guys, as Kenny has said, that you guys are not a cutoff race this year. So some of these drivers that have come in in previous years and had to worry about being in or being out or being in a position at, at Talladega to either win or um, stay out of the wreck so that they can uh, keep from uh, being knocked out. Um, what do you think, how do you think they try and change this mindset um, there at Talladega that, you know, drivers may not be as risky as they once were because they know that they uh, don't have to risk themselves to stay in or, you know, don't have to risk themselves to try and get in? Yeah, I think it's it, it'll be a judgment call to how their car is running that day and have they stayed out of trouble and hadn't damaged, you know, their, their vehicle and everything, but I think a lot of the folks, um, 
you know, I, I look at the, the, you know, Joey and and Brad, and I look at them like they, I think those guys want to be at the front, and that's where they want to be, and I think they'll try to be up there as much as they possibly can. And I've always believed that the guys that want to be at the front of Talladega, hopefully, we're going to do better, and I think a lot of times they do. Because you know nobody can hit you if you're hardly except in the rear end if you're in the front, and so you know you, you can't have somebody do something that affects you if you're out in front of the pack. So I think in a lot of ways that's what I like to see the guys do, and I think those two guys are at least two hard chargers that I think will do that during our event. My last question for you before I throw you over, Tim. You've been in NASCAR uh, one way, shape, or form, and most synonymous with Talladega over the preceding years. What do you feel that you want your legacy in this sport to be when somebody looks back? Well, I mean, I just want to be known as somebody that, you know, did his job. When And, and I had the, the ability to go to work for the Francis when we had three-and-a-half racetracks, and I got to do a multitude of things for them at various different racetracks and help build racetracks and, I've got one big project with the transformation project we're doing at Talladega, you know, coming up next year. So we're going to have a, a year full of, of construction activity, and hopefully uh, everything's going to be ready to roll next fall, and I can go out with that and uh, hopefully have a great, you know, first time with our with our with all the new stuff we're going to show the fans. And it's going to be, I, I can tell you, it's going to be very, very exciting because, you know, we just have so much more footage to work with in that garage area than anybody else has had and when we build those two garages and the top 22 teams in the sport are going to come to Talladega and they're going to fill those two garages and our new fan party zone is going to be between those two garages with a roof over both you know going over both the garages roofs so the fans are going to be in the epicenter of the 22 best teams points wise both spring and fall every time they come to Talladega, and that's never been done. So I think it's why we've done great stuff at Phoenix, and we did a we did Daytona, and, of course, uh, Richmond had theirs a week, a week or so ago, and now in a year we're going to get to show you a big one at Talladega, and I think the fans are going to really be impressed by it. Thanks a lot, Grant. I appreciate it, and I uh, hope to see you in a couple of weeks when, when I come down. Okay, guys. Thanks. Thank y'all for having me on again tonight. Okay. Thank you. And Grant, one last question before we let you jump out of here. I want to ask you. Uh, you had mentioned that about the uh, about the transformation deal there, and it was. Uh, well, Grant's already dropped out, y'all. I guess he had to go. He didn't want to talk, man. <laughs> Kenny, what's going on, brother? What's your take on this new uh, on this new rules package? Steve and I, we were talking about it. Doing away with the plates here at uh, Talladega and down there at Daytona. They're going to that uh, tapered spacer like Stephen was talking about. Uh, it's going to be, I think, like a 1.17 inch at some of the short tracks in the road course. And it's going to be 750 horsepower there. And 550 horsepower at a .922 thousand tapered spacer at oval tracks larger than one mile. You think that that's going to bunch everybody back up, especially like on some of our mile and a half, Kenny, where we're going to see a little bit tighter racing? You know, I I think it's got the potential to initially, Tim, before everybody gets things figured out. But you know as well as I do that, you know, you give these engineers and and crew chiefs a couple of months to work on things, and and they'll start separating themselves. You know, the 
the the better teams will start to figure things out quicker. Uh, and the one thing that that I thought about when they when they announced that package today was, you know, it's it's similar. It's it's not exactly like, but it's similar to what they used in the All Star race earlier this year. And uh, I went back and, and and pulled up that race and, and started watching some of it. And I still got a little bit more of it to go, but but it was a it was an entertaining race. You know, they had lead changes. You know, they had they had battles for position on the track. Now, it's not you know you weren't dealing with you know a 400 mile race or or a 500 lap race on a short track. Uh, in, in the all-star race and you didn't have, you know, 42 cars or 40 cars out there rather to, to start the race, which, which is going to impact some things. But I think it's, I think it's going to be something that's worth looking at. Uh, the thing that, that I wasn't as sure about was, you know, you mentioned they'll they'll run different size tapered spacers at different tracks. The tracks a mile larger than a mile will have a have the smaller openings and, and shorter than a mile and the road courses will have the larger openings and more horsepower. Um and some tracks will have the aero ducts which we saw them used once this year uh in the cup series and some tracks won't have those. And to me, it's like well, you know, you're almost you're almost creating a rules package for each individual track. And I don't really, I don't know that that's the road you need to go down. Particularly for, you know, the better teams are going to get really good, really fast, and the lower teams that don't have the finances and everything, they're going to struggle, and they're not going to they're not going to close that gap. They want this to make teams more even, and I don't think. Ultimately, that's what's going to happen. I was thinking the same way you was, Kenny. And, you know, you had mentioned that, uh, you know, you probably heard Steve and I talking about that, uh, about the uh, splitter, that two-inch overhang. And the yeah. radiator pan, the radiator pan is going, you know, it's going to be 37 minutes. It's going to taper in. But, you know, that's that, that's going to stay the same. But you bring up a very good point, Kenny, talking about that uh, the different size of taper spacer for your short traction road courses This. It's like you know NASCAR wants to wants to save the teams money, but then again, like you just mentioned, these teams that's got really really deep pockets with a lot of money, they're going to do all they can to push that envelope, and you know some of these other teams are just going to have to go with what they got, right, Kenny? Mm-hmm. Yes, and on top of that, they took away one of the organizational tests for next year, where they had four this year. You're only going to have three next year, so that's one less opportunity for you to go out on the track you know, and, and and kind of try to figure stuff out. Now, you know, that doesn't sound like a lot, but, but trust me, it is. I mean, if if there was no limit on testing, all of those teams would be testing as often as they could. Exactly, Stephen. I've been harping on that for four or five years now. But, uh, Stephen, do you have anything for Kenny? Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to go over something real quick with him. Um, earlier tonight, I mean, this has kind of been on social media all night long or, you know, since the uh-huh. early afternoon. Uh, um, with this rules package, I, I, I thought it was interesting that Max Pappas, he came out and he, he made a comment that, you know, he kind of doesn't understand 
uh, you know, NASCAR going in a similar direction that IndyCar went years ago, and he, he prefaced it and and kind of you know put this into a, a, a one one big ball per se, and saying that you know basically the 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 less horsepower and more downforce is what kind of shifted a lot of people away from open wheel racing and a lot of drivers and a lot of teams and a lot of people came over to NASCAR during that period. Um, and now NASCAR is almost kind of in, in, in the same, you know, they've, they've almost got the same ball and now running with that ball. So what do you, what are your feelings? Do you, do you think that at the end of the day, trying to put more downforce into these cars and take away horsepower, um, is going to shift the needle one way or another in the perception of the racing that's on track. Hey, you know, Stephen, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that because I had seen Max's uh, posting on social media that you were talking about, you know, and, and him saying that, you know, the the less power, more downforce in, in IndyCar was what really hurt them. And, yeah, for, for the past several years, NASCAR has has gone in the other direction, you know, taking downforce away from the cars every year, you know, 16, 17, 18, you know, less downforce. We want the cars to be harder to drive. We want the guys to have to work. And and now it's like, okay, does this mean you want them to be easier to drive? Is that is that what we're headed toward? I I don't know. I think if they just did some of the changes, that that's what they would be headed toward, you know. But I think the combination of everything, the the engine, the you know the the tapered spacers that'll that'll affect the horsepower, the the taller rear spoiler and the aero ducts are gonna and the uh, and the radiator pan are gonna impact the aero numbers. I think that combination, they're they're trying to find that sweet spot where. It's it's gonna you know they're still gonna be hard enough to drive, but you know you're not gonna be able to go out there and just stand on it and never lift. You're gonna have to get out of the throttle. You're gonna have more response time that you didn't have with with like say the restrictor plates. Um, I think it's still something that's. I, I honestly I think you know it's the 2019 rules package, but I think it's a work in progress. You know, like like anything else. The same way they came out was last year or two years ago, and they said, you know, you gotta you're gonna have to start to race on the tires that you qualify on. And then they had situations crop up that that they're like, okay, you know what, this is not a good idea because if somebody gets new tires and goes to the back or they had an advantage, it's gonna be something that's gonna be tweaked, I believe, as they move forward. And sometimes the perception in motorsports, especially from fans that are sitting on the other side of the fence, um, they they're they're the ones that you know NASCAR has seemed to move in a direction where they're listening a lot of times to the fans that are in the stands, the ones that are buying the tickets, and more of a collaborative uh, effort between not only what the fans are saying, but you know manufacturers, teams, you know, uh, engineers, Goodyear. There's more collaboration now than we've probably ever seen before in NASCAR. Um, you know, it, it, we've we've seen this, and I say that, um, but is it always good to sometimes take all of this information in and try and make changes in an effort to 
maybe change the perception of the racing, which we have really good racing, but do we, do we try and take some of the louder voices and try and move that needle to them being, to them seeing better racing or the perception of better racing sometimes? Well, I mean, you, you know what they always say about the squeaky wheel getting the grease, you know, and, and people say, well, if you go on social media and, and listen to the fans, this is what the fans want. Well, a lot of times I don't think people realize just how small a group social media honestly represents overall. When 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 you look at when you look at all NASCAR fans, there's probably not a large portion of them that are on social media or that voice their opinions on there. The ones that want change or don't like what they're seeing, they're gonna be the ones that are on there saying you guys need to change this. You 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 know you don't like that. Um, I've always been one that thought you have to have somebody at the top that says this is what we're going to do. You you can take input from driver councils and track councils and OEMs and everybody, but at the end of the day, you need one guy there that says, okay, for for the for the betterment of the sport this is a direction we're going to go in, whether you guys agree with it or, or not. And that's what, I mean, that's how NASCAR grew from, you know, a small southern sport in, into the national, you know, pastime that it was. Uh, it, it wouldn't have done that. People will tell you, well, even when, when Bill Sr. and Bill Jr. were running the sport, they still listened to other people, and they did. They just didn't have councils. They weren't, you know, it, it wasn't official like that. They they took information from others uh, because that, you know, that's how they got to where they were. But, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's got to be up to somebody to make that decision and know what's best for the sport. Tim? Yeah. Uh, thanks, Tim. Keith, I got one last question. You, David, y'all, sure. y- y'all were talking, about, you know, back whenever – it was all southern sport and all that. You know, Grant mentioned about some of the uh, some of the drivers actually striking. You know, here it uh, mm-hmm. a long time, and now you know we've got this RTA deal coming in. You know, I know that's a touchy situation with a lot of people. Steve and I talk about it some, but you've got you know where you've got these uh, these are charters. You know, and when all this come out, Rob Coffer and all them started all that. You had to you had to buy into these to these charters, and here recently we've seen. Ron Devine and BK Racing go through a uh, bankruptcy deal, and actually his charter got put on an auction block. And uh, rumor was uh, Mike Beeman, GMS Racing, were going to bid on it. And then Front Row Motorsports, I think it was Front Row, front, front row Motorsports, bid on it. But And then now you've got uh, Front Row Racing, Kenny, out of uh, out of, out of of Denver. Uh, Barney Visser announced that, here's the, that he's not going to come back next year. You've got, uh, you've got a, a, a cup champion there. That and you got that that charter there too. I don't I'm, I don't really know where I'm going with it, Kenny, because I'm not really smart enough to figure out this this charter <laughs> deal. Stephen has tried to it tried to explain it to me, but just how much would you say? You know, I think front uh, front row got that charter for point something million from BK Racing. Now, what would you say a charter? Just your opinion, Kenny. What would you say a uh, front row racing charter would go on an auction block for? I mean, it's just I don't know. I just I'm just trying to figure it out. Yeah, and Tim, honestly, I, I don't know. I, I can tell you 
that a charter from someone like Furniture Row Racing is going to be worth a whole lot more than a charter from a team that's running, you know, 32nd or 33rd or, or 30th every week just because, you know, you you have your results from year to year impact that, that chart. I mean, if you run, if, if you're like the worst team in NASCAR for three years in a row, you NASCAR has the ability to come in and say, okay, you know, we're, we're, we're going to take that chart. It's, it's not guaranteed, you know, if, if you're not performing. Uh, and that's why you see some movement among those teams uh, in, in the bottom of the standings. That's why you'll see some of them lease a charter to someone else. Um, it's, it's a different type of business and uh, in, in, in dealing with that. I don't know, honestly, you know, people got into that. The, the big push for that in the beginning was, well, if a team goes belly up, the owner has nothing whatsoever to sell. He's only going to get pennies on the dollar for his equipment and his cars and things like that. And he gets nothing after he's poured all of this stuff, all of his heart and soul and money into the sport. So, you know, the charter is supposed to be, it's supposed to be a finan- a way for him to financially recoup some of that. But I honestly don't think that's the case. I mean, I don't think you're, you know, number one, if you don't have anybody out there that's willing to spend that money that, that wants to come into the sport or number two, somebody that needs it. You know, I mean, you had teams when they first came in with the charters that didn't have charters that ran and qualified for every race. And, you know, they didn't have to have a charter to compete and it wasn't an issue. Now it would have been better for them if they did have one, but with a limited number of cars out there each week and everything, I don't think it's been, you know, this big answer that everybody thought it was going to be. I definitely agree, Kenny. I do. And, Kenny, again, I know we've kept you way over your time. And, again, I want to thank you very much for taking time out to call in and just sort of get your take on on the on the sport and, and everything. But, Kenny, we always let we always let everybody that comes on uh, thank their sponsors and stuff. But if you got some sponsors, you you want to thank them, you go right ahead and uh, <laughs> let know what for the I wish I, I wish I had some sponsors, Tim. I, I, I really do. I want to thank you guys for having me on here. It's I always enjoy it. Uh, I appreciate it. I, I especially appreciate the opportunity to get to speak with Grant tonight. Like I said earlier, he's somebody that I've always admired and, and really enjoyed dealing with uh, through the years. We we go back a long ways, and uh, I, it really meant a lot to me to, to get to be on your guys' show tonight. Kenny, we really appreciate it. Let, let everybody know if they can follow you on social media and your website. Yeah, on Twitter, I'm at Kenny Bruce, K-E-N-N-Y-B-R-U-C-E. And if you're looking for uh, what I'm writing, it is at KennyBruce.net. Kenny, that sounds good, brother. You going to be in Dega? Uh, yes, sir. I hope to be. Sounds good. We'll all get together. Stephen's coming down. We'll get together and eat that big old four-and-a-half-inch pork chop, brother. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you, Tim. I appreciate it, buddy. All right. Thanks, Kenny. Take care, brother. Thank you for everything that you've done for the sport and everything that you continue to do for, for the sport. We really appreciate you, Kenny. Kenny Bruce there, KennyBruce.net. Uh, Stephen, a big, interesting show tonight. We dug off into a lot of conversations. Uh, you know, Grant really talking a lot about uh, 
about this new rules package and everything coming out. And Kenny, you know, talking about it, too. But I wanted to go in there right there at the end. I didn't know if that was going to be a really touchy situation about that charter deal. But uh, I think Kenny sort of thinks about the same way you and I do. Back then, when that charter deal came out, you still had cars that was qualifying for the for the race, even though they didn't have a charter. And it's, it just didn't pan out, to use Kenny's words, it didn't pan out like what everybody thought it was going to do. I'm, I'm not knocking. I'm saying, you know, they tried, like Kenny said, to get it where if a team goes belly up, you know, it ain't worth pennies on the dollar. Maybe it's worth something. But I just don't think it panned out like everybody thought it would, just like Kenny says. Yeah, I think that's been a point of contention to some some degree is that at this point we have more inventory than we have demand, so that depresses prices down. And, you know, if you look at the way that you, you have a, a – well, you know, in football or baseball or other sports where, where, where basically they have a franchise agreement with the league itself that, you know, there there's some residual value into this. Um and and the charters at this point haven't created that residual value um, that you know some people are, are are looking for. And you know I've 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 seen where I saw your point to where BK Racing their their charter was sold for about two million dollars or something like that. Um, Furniture Row, um, I mean Front Row Motorsports can take and lease that out or do something with it um, for a year and get some money back out of it. And then there's a three-year, you know, contingency on that that based on three years of running depends on, you know, you get more um, money out of the purse and, and the pot on a, on a weekend. Um, but as far as Furniture Row Racing's deal is, is, you know, this could go for exponentially more because somebody's looking at the three years um, of, of winnings prior to it. And that that could determine another team that needs a a charter and looking to gain um, some extra um, purse money um, and point fund money that you know this 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 is going to increase the value of the said charter. However, the problem is right now we don't have teams or you know interested interested parties that are looking to come in. And, um, you know, where these residual values can go up. And I think right now it's kind of stagnant in that in that point is that, you know, it, again, it comes back to it's only worth somebody what somebody's willing to pay. And the more valuable it is, the more that somebody's willing to pay for it. And I think right now that's kind of stalled and stagnated to some degree that, um, you know, teams, teams, of course, get locked in by it. Their points money for or their prize money on a weekend. There's points fund money that comes and is tied along with this, and there's so many other things that that are tied into this. Um, but you know, at the same time, to be a part of this charter, you have to pay. There's there's a fee associated to this. So you know, some of that money that you may be you may be taking in is going back out the door, and you know that's respective of any sport, to be honest with you. So there's not a whole lot different. I just think right now is that there's not enough residual value as of right now to try and um, create more value into this. And when furniture row racing shuts down, unfortunately, um, you know, Barney Visser has put a lot, a lot of money into it. And if this thing would sell for five or six or seven million dollars, that's that's only a drop in the bucket to what he spent to get this team to the point where they won the 2017 championship and are 
on pace to contend for a second championship in 2018. Exactly. Just like you just mentioned, I was thinking the same route, the same way you were thinking. I think Kenny sort of touched on it earlier, too. Like you mentioned, I mentioned with the BK Racing deal, they were front row getting that uh, charter there for two points something. Like you said, I was I was just fixing to say, we, we'll see what this Barney Vister charter goes for. And that's, that's going to probably weigh in and weigh out to see exactly what type of investment we're going to have on probably one of the most premier teams in the in the series, Stephen, right now. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, good potential to win another championship. And then all of a sudden, boom, closing the doors. Well, they're boom, closing the door, whether they win a championship or not. I don't know if that's going to make that charter go up. I don't know. You don't know. Kenny don't know. It's supply and demand, just like you said. But um, anyway, Stephen, do we have any other breaking news we need to discuss tonight? I know we pretty much covered everything, I think, of the major stuff that come out. Um, going to Dover this weekend to um, start the round of 12. So, um, coming out of Charlotte, out of Roval there, I thought it was an interesting race. I thought it was a, a concept that, um, you know, you, you they took a risk and um, they saw an increase in, in, in television ratings out there and there was a lot of social media generated around it. Um, so, I think it was a risk that, that, that they made and the risk of that paid off in many respects. And, you know, you and I, we were talking. It was, uh, we thought it was going to be a show enough wreck fest, but it wasn't nothing like, I, wasn't nothing like what I thought. Now, Stephen, we, I, were gonna, I was going to mention earlier, I think you and I were texting back and forth, uh, that, uh, pra- that, that final practice session uh, Saturday morning, uh, you know, on the backstretch, that little interlude better to have coming off of the, NASCAR backstretch down in before they come into NASCAR three. Uh, Bubba Wallace hit that hit that tire wall a ton right there, Stephen. And I know it's it's been all over social media. I've shared the YouTube video of it. And then it wasn't just a few laps after they got all that cleaned up. Here come Eric Jones. He jumped the turtle, tore the whole front end off his car, and NASCAR made the decision to move that tire wall back. And I think that helped some too. But I heard a lot of the drivers talking about him coming into that little chicane, or it's about like what it is on the front stretch, but not it was sharper. They were didn't really have to break. It wasn't a breaking zone. It was like a checking up zone. But to watch some of the in car views right there, it was like if you were behind another car or two two cars in front of you, you couldn't see when you need to make that turn. It was sort of a Sort of a bad deal there, but NASCAR went out there and fixed that. I want to give kudos to uh, to NASCAR for opening that up, even though you would have to still have to hit that blue turtle to get through there. But it it, it tore two cars up quick, right? Especially Bubba Wallace. Yeah, it did. Um, you know, he he had a heck of a, heck of a crash in there, and where that barrier was at, I mean, it really destroyed you know, the cars and the entry and going up, you're right. You know, if you had a car in front of you or two cars in front of you, you couldn't really see it. And by them moving that barrier back a little bit, I think that saved a lot of drivers in the actual race itself. So for them to go out there and them to do that, um, you know, you know, they, they had to make changes and work on the fly all weekend long. And I think that, you know, that, you know, just to them, um, you know, it goes back to the risk factor again is that they knew that there was going to be a lot of things that were going on, but at the same time they they were having to to um, you know work 
you know, they're going to ha- they were having to respond to changes pretty quickly, and um, you know, I, th- I I just think that you know, from them doing that, I think it was just a good good deal overall. I do too, David. And you mentioned we're going to Dover this weekend. Do you have the schedule? If you don't, I got it. Yeah, we're going to Dover this weekend. We're going to NASCAR. I mean, NASCAR uh, Canyon Pro Series East Championship is going to be this weekend. It's going to be decided out. Tyler Ancrum has already won the championship here in 2017 by virtue of uh, just a week or so back um, when they were running uh, at um, at New Hampshire. So I'm going to go into this race. Uh, he's going to he's going to he he's already been crowned the official 2018 NASCAR Canyon Pro Series East champion, but. Uh, the Crosley 125 um, to finish the season out for them is going to be Friday, 5 o'clock uh, Eastern time. Um, there is no uh, streaming. There's no television of this. Uh, it'll eventually be on the um, NBC SN, uh, I think, next Wednesday or next Thursday, something like that. Um, uh, oh, yeah, um, prior to that, sorry, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series qualifying out there at 340, and then the 5 o'clock can press here. Saturday 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 afternoon, 12.05, NASCAR Xfinity Series qualifying um, be preceded by the Bar Harbor. 200, 3 o'clock, NASCAR Xfinity Series racing. Uh, MRN has the, uh, ha- has, the, has the call, and NBCSN has television. Sunday, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series uh, racing the Gander. Uh, now Gander Outdoors, 400, 400 laps, 400 miles, MRN Radio, NBC, SN, uh, has your television co- coverage at 2 o'clock. Take a breath, brother. Good job. Take a breath. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Stephen, before we let you, before we jump out of here, uh, I want you to let everybody know if they can follow you on social media and your website, my friend. You can follow us on um, face, uh, on Twitter at Speedway Digest, Facebook.com slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. Got nobody going to uh, Dover this week, but I'll be there with you next week at Talladega. That sounds good, Stephen. Come on down to Dega. And uh, before uh, I want to thank uh, Talladega Super Speedway President Mitchell Grant Lynch for taking time to come on. I want to thank my good friend also, Kenny Bruce from KennyBruce.net. Kenny's been around the sport a long time, covered a lot of the stuff. He's seen it. From back in the day all the way up to the changes now, I want to thank both of them. And, Stephen, thank you again uh, for calling in and being my sidekick. And we've been doing it now for about five years now. We're going to keep on doing it. But, again, like you said, uh, uh, Stephen does not have nobody going to Dover this weekend, but uh, we're going to have a jam-packed house next weekend. Uh, We will be live uh, next Tuesday evening, uh, guest to be announced. But we will be at Talladeg Super Speedway for the 1000bubs.com race weekend at it's not a cutoff race. It's in the middle of the race, but we got the uh, the uh, trucks coming there also with the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. Can't wait for you and AM to get out here and see this place, brother. Just like Grant Lynch said, this is more than a race. This is Talladega. Stephen, thanks again, brother. We're going to say good night from Dega Nation. I'm Tim Spain. He's Stephen Wilson. Talk to you next Tuesday evening. I'm a mama's boy, I'm a fist fight 
kind of county line, kind of cold beer, little hat down, little John Deere. I kind of give a damn, I kind of don't care. You see the girl standing right there, she loves a small town boy like me. She's my bright eyed baby, she's my cool, she's my crazy, she's my laid back in the front seat. She's my with me till the end, girl, I'm turning up the ten, girl. She can have anybody that she wants to be. once a year, and it only happens at Homestead Miami Speedway. The world will be watching as dreams are made, hopes are crushed, and championships earned. It's Ford Championship Weekend, November 16th to the 18th. Three days of fun for the whole family with live music, tailgating, go-kart racing, and so much more. Plus, it's the only place to witness the crowning of three NASCAR champions. Call 866-409-RACE or go to HomesteadMiamiSpeedway.com for tickets. 